Before we get started, I want to say Merry Christmas to all of our listeners, and certainly I appreciate your following over the years. Today's podcast, I go to my bookshelf here, and a book that was given to me by a friend of mine and and former coach, was an assistant for me, was a head coach a long time in Northeast Ohio here in the Cleveland area, Al Valencizzi. Al actually coached Stan Drayton, the new head coach at Temple University. And Al was always just a wealth of knowledge for me. Someone who was good to have on my coaching staff. Uh, This guy really knew the game up and down, studied the game, and I was fortunate. Uh, He called me up one day and gave me this box of books, and I've been going through those now, several of them. And, And when I went back to here initially, I had skimmed it, but I found a great section on this, and I realized that though this is called How to Train the Quarterback, there's a huge section in here on how to call plays, how to be a play caller. When I looked at it, it is as relevant today as it was in 1960. Now, the difference was this. In 1960, the play caller was the quarterback. So you had to train your quarterback, essentially, to understand the game plan, be like an offensive coordinator, and be the play caller on game day. And so this was a manual on exactly how to do that. But when you look at it, as I said... Really, this is a manual on being a play caller. Now, this one I have uh, is, is one of the originals from 1960, but I did find that you could get it on Amazon. It's in print still. You could get a paperback version of it. You could get it on the Kindle as well, and I highly recommend this to you if you call plays or if you plan to call plays in the future. Very detailed resource. So let's take a look at this here. But first, I want to give you a little historical background on George Allen in case you don't know who he is. This bio, which I'll read you, is from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. George Allen was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and one of the things he was known for was this idea that the future is now. It was one of his uh, methods of getting personnel for his team, and, and really he was known for getting guys who were veterans who knew what they were doing and and it enabled him to turn around teams in the NFL. So here's the bio from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. In 12 seasons with the Los Angeles Rams from 1966 through 1970 and the Washington Redskins from 1971 through 1977, George Allen compiled a 116-47-5 and regular season record as a head coach. A native of Detroit, Michigan, Allen had the reputation of being a coach who could transform perpetual losing teams into winners. The Rams, prior to Allen taking the reins in 1966, had experienced seven straight losing seasons, including a 4-10 record in 1965. In Allen's first year, the team posted an 8-6 mark and then won the NFL's Coastal Division with an excellent 11-1-2 record in 1967. That year, Allen was a virtually unanimous NFL Coach of the Year choice. Allen moved to the Redskins in 1971 to lead a team that had only one winning season in 15 years. Adopting the Future is Now theme, he made numerous trades sacrificing future draft choices for veterans who could help immediately. In his 12 seasons in the NFL, he made 131 trades, 81 of them coming during his Washington tenure. Allen never had a losing season in seven years with the Redskins. The 1971 team finished second in the NFC's Eastern Division with a surprising 9-4-1 record. The next year, the team marched on to an 11-3 record 
an NFC Championship victory over Dallas, and a Super Bowl seven appearance with or against the Miami Dolphins. Three times in the next four years, Washington had 10-4 and four seasons and a wildcard berth in the postseason playoffs. Allen, who was born on April 29, 1918, attended Alma College, Marquette University, and the University of Michigan before starting his coaching career at Morningside College in 1948. He moved to Whittier College in 1951 to begin a six-year tenure. Allen's first pro coaching experience was as an assistant to Sid Gilman with the Rams in 1957. A year later, he joined the Chicago Bears as a defensive assistant. In a rare move, he was presented a game ball following the 1963 NFL Championship game in which his defense recorded five defensive turnovers. Some other interesting things about George Allen. He is the guy who is credited with developing the term sack. Uh, He's also very well known for special teams. If you haven't seen George Allen's special teams manual, I highly recommend you pick that one up too. He was really a pioneer in putting an emphasis on special teams to the point where he felt it was the most important unit of his team. So check that one out as well. So let's get into some of these ideas of how to become a play caller. And as I said, this was on training the quarterback in 1960. But if you look at this manual, just by paging through it, you see that George Allen was an extremely detailed guy. He was known for that. He was known for sleeping in the office, for doing things that just helped him be more efficient. There was a story I found that he often just ate peanut butter and ice cream because he didn't have to chew those and and that was something that was more efficient for him. So a fanatic about details. And so he goes into the classification of, of plays and this in another section in the book, which is actually later, I think are important in understanding some of this section that we'll get into about play calling. So he divides the plays into three categories and he says, during the course of a football game, position on the field, down and distance will in most part dictate his call. You do not expect that he will conform entirely to a given pattern and thereby become a tendency quarterback. He may call any play at any time if he feels it has a good chance to gain ground. However, the entire offense should be thought of in terms of the following divisions. So division one is what he calls touchdown plays. And there were seven of them. The delayed sweep, passes, gadgets, screen, option pitch, waggle, and stop and lateral. He goes on, he must understand that the above plays listed as touchdown plays may go for the distance, but the possibility of a loss is greater. Consequently, he would not think of utilizing this category inside the five-yard line or in short-yarded situations. So as a play caller, that's something we all do. Understand that this play can be a shot for me. It could could also be a play that loses ground or even potentially turns over the ball because of maybe unique ball handling. But when to call those plays, you'll see is something that becomes consistent as he goes through and he explains these different divisions of play. So division two is direct hits, first down plays. Use direct hits with two-on-one blocking at the point of attack. The quarterback sneak is a sound play and has averaged well over a period of many years. Every offense has a few basic plays that are designed to run off tackle. If the defense is playing in the gaps, 
run wide with quick hitting or fast ball handling. The above Division II first down division are sure fire gains. The gain may be small, but it is certain with the probability of loss being very small and a fair gain good. Note that the football field is divided into six zones, A, B, C, D, E, and F. The score, time, weather conditions will alter this basic plan as it will should he detect weaknesses in the defense. Note how the various division of plays fit into the six field zones. We'll go over that a little bit later. He covers that a little bit ahead in the book. So division three is the position play. You have in your offense certain plays, which we call position plays. Their success is virtually assured when run in certain positions on the field due to tendencies of the defense at particular locations. For example, certain plays usually run into the wide side of the field are effective if run into the sidelines. However, there are specific delayed sweeps that must be run into the wide side of the field to be successful. Have him keep in mind that various locations of the field where your basic plays seem to operate best. So now he starts to get a little bit more into field awareness as far as play calling. And then division four, he calls basic plays. Your quarterback will have certain basic plays, which he must run at almost any time or almost any position on the field. They are plays upon which your entire offense is predicated. Direct hits either by the halfback or fullback are sound. The reliable off-tackle plays that every offense has are plays in this category. He must run them often. They have averaged off best over the years. Then he gets into a section here where he talks about the play chart in relation to the opponent's goal. So the opponent's one-yard line. And what he says with that one, nothing but sneak inside the one-yard line unless he has tried it and it has been stopped. Opponent's five-yard line inside the 10-yard line. The best and strongest play. Best and strongest, most reliable back. Pounding zone, no pass. Run four downs unless fourth and four. Then use the stop pass. It is best or a field goal. Use direct hits, first down play area. Use short count, long count, takes the edge off the team. Interesting things there. I've always believed that too. You know, there's more risk in trying to go on two or changing the snap count. When you get inside that area, you're only going to get half the distance to the goal where the defense will knock you five yards back if that's wrong. And, you know, again, putting an emphasis on personnel, as he said, run it to your most reliable back. Then the opponent's 10-yard line. On first down, first down division, strongest direct hits, pound. Think what play or plays brought the team down here. Who is your best back? Opponent's 15-yard line. Are you running the ball well? then run. On second and 10, use your best gadget. Go to the TD division for run and pass. And on second or seven and less, pound. Go for the first down. The opponent's 20-yard line. On third and five or less, first down division. On fourth and four or five, stop pass for a first down or touchdown. Keep in mind the field goal potential. Opponent's 25-yard line on first down TD division. Try to break Uh, the runner for a long gain. Opponent's 30-yard line. Second and eight. TD pass to the outside, not down the middle. Second and seven or less. First down division. 
pound. Opponents 40, 3rd and 5 or more TD division play passes. Hand off behind to the flanker. Opponents 45-yard line, 3rd and 4 or less is the 1st down division, pound. Opponents 50-yard line, 4th down. Punt unless you're behind the 50 with 1 yard or less to go. And then he goes into your own territory. On the 45, screen or play pass, 1st down division, power off either tackle 40 yard line run pass delayed sweeps fullback counter or similar play using your big back 35 draw an option fake pass and run if situation in warrants 30 waggles and traps the strongest and soundest plays 25 waggles and traps strongest direct hit with a minimum ball handling on your own 20 first down area go for first down and make ball handling sure On the 15, safe ball handling area. On the 10, let's get out of here in the safest way possible. A mistake here is costly. Give the ball to the safest back. Number five, sneak until outside of your own five-yard line. Goal line sneak until you're outside of your own five-yard line. So for him, it really broke down into six zones. He labeled A through F. So A being our goal to the five-yard line. B, our five-yard line to the 20. C, R20 to their 20, D, their 20 to the 10, E, their 5 to score, F, their 1-yard line, and then four classifications, as we mentioned before, plays. So one being the TD or long gain, two being a first down, three being position plays, and four being basic plays. So as you go through this, and if you were to take a look at this book, I think there'll be things that you don't agree with philosophically, and that's really not the point here. Certainly, he had a certain way of running of his offense. He had things he believed in, though I would say everything he mentioned there is certainly very sound, but you may be a different style of offense. And so he covers different things here within there, and he goes into suggestions here on play calling, and there's, I'm going to go through them briefly. There's actually uh, 41 of these. But I think all of them are relevant when thinking about calling a play. So number one, inside our opponent's five-yard line, pound. Using our strongest play with our strongest and most reliable back carrying. Two, inside the the opponent's five-yard line, pound for four downs. Three, keep the clock in mind. Remember your quarterback can throw four passes in 30 seconds. Four, use clutch series if time is running out inside the five-yard line. Five, use clutch series if time is running out inside the 15-yard line. So clutch series is basically a series he puts together when the clock is running down. We call it today the two-minute drill. Six, use clutch series if outside the 15 for the long pass. Note that we have three types of clutch series. Seven, if the first pass on clutch series is incomplete, huddle up for the next play. If the pass is completed, continue to the second play of the clutch series. Eight. Note that all plays are either long gainer, TD area, or short gainer, first down area. Improper use will kill your team off. Nine, run your basic play category often. It will help make everything else go. Certainly running your base offense is a sound part of your attack. Then he goes into number 10, invariable. When the QBs get to the opponent's 20, they neglect the bread and butter play, which got them down there. I think... We could all look back if we've called plays before. We probably do get into that area sometimes and get focused on, here's my red zone calls. Maybe 
instead of continuing with our series and what we were doing. It may take us to the end zone. Number 11, if nothing else seems to resort to stop passes and hits out behind the flanker, they are foolproof, can't be stopped. 12, screen, draw, and trap on obvious passing downs. Play pass on obvious running downs. Certainly sound practices there as well. 13, note that the football field is divided into six zones. All six zones overlap slightly except the zone inside our five-yard line and the zone inside their five-yard line. 14, you must use change of pace in the use of starting count. Control of the count is one of the two advantages the offense has over the defense. Consistent use of one number eliminates the one advantage. 15, the other advantage is controlling the point of attack. Be sure to test all areas in the line of scrimmage. 16, basically, there are three threats in our attack. One, inside. Two, outside. Three, pass. All you need to do is analyze what is working for you in order to know what play to call next. He goes into this later where he creates different types of series. He wants his quarterback to think about different sequences with that one inside, two outside, three pass. We'll talk about that one later. 17, if the inside is going, stay with the play to the inside. Number 18, do not save anything. If your quarterback discovers a weakness, Work it to death. It may not be there when he wants it. Number 19, inside, outside, and pass. It is a simple formula. Use it. 20, the worst thing a quarterback can do is change the method of attack if he is succeeding. A, if inside is working, go inside and only have your quarterback go outside occasionally to keep them honest. B, if your running attack is working, don't change to passing. Common sense stuff there. 21, Make sure your quarterback gives signals in the huddle clearly and decisively emphasize enunciation. 22. Stress to your quarterback to always be sure everyone is set before calling the snap number. 23. Your quarterback must watch for weakening or dazed defensive men. Run at them or pass in their area, always exploiting the weaknesses, right? 24. During timeouts, your quarterback should get All information from teammates, he should talk to both guards or tackles at one time, but not, but only talk to two men at a time. So emphasizing what we would usually do on the sidelines, right? We get a timeout, we get the guys over, we talk to them, we get that information or in between series two. And this is something he would put on the quarterback because the quarterback was a play caller. 25, if someone is breaking through and spoiling your quarterback's plays, he should check up at once to find out who is responsible. 26, your quarterback seldom calls a game from one side to the other, hitting the same hole with the same play. Follow the formula, inside, outside, pass. Pass, inside, and outside, outside, inside, and pass. So again, changing up that formula with those three components. 27, it is a good idea to use your best play and ball carrier on first down. 28, your quarterback must gain five yards on the first down. It puts the defense under pressure. 29, if your quarterback gains less than five yards on first down, the defense puts him under pressure. 30, don't let the defense case your quarterback's pattern of calling by running a play on first down and a pass on third down. Cross them up on first down by passing and a draw, screen, or trap on third down. 31, 
Insist that your quarterback be forceful in his play calls. Select plays without hesitation. Be at least one play ahead of of the team. 32. Don't let your quarterback be too cute in his calls. Easy touchdowns are difficult against good teams. He must hammer to keep the line play aggressive. 33. Know how to save time. A. Clutch series. B. Go on ready set. C. Have team line up fast. D. Call play quickly in the huddle. E. Tell backs to run out of bounds. 34. Now is chewing clock up. How to stall. Take the full count in the huddle. 25 seconds. Be slow in lining up. Use a flanker and have him position himself slowly. Do not allow backs to go out of bounds. 35. Make sure the quarterback has analysis of your plays as follows. 30% pass, 65% run, 5% kick. So that's the formula he wanted. Certainly not a 50-50 bounce. But for him, that was the offense he believed in. 36. Have your quarterback know all he can about your opponents from coaches and scouts. It's what we do as offensive coordinators. We take in all that information that people have given to us. Again, in this case, that was the quarterback as the play caller doing those things. 37. At the beginning of the game, have your quarterback see if opponents are using defensive strategy given to him. If not, use basic plays until your staff is able to give him new information. We always have that situation, right? We want to get those plays in early in the game to verify, are they in what we saw them do before? 38, insist that he have a reason for each play. I think that's very sound. Why are you putting a play in the game plan? And certainly, why are you calling it on game day? 39, he must know the proper selection of plays and passes for A, first down, Second, both long and short yardage. B, second down and short yardage, less than four. C, second down and long yardage, more than four. D, third down and short yardage, less than three. E, third down and long yardage, more than three. And F, fourth down and short yardage, deep in opponent's territory. G, fourth and long yardage, deep in opponent's territory. H, have your quarterback learn how sideline affects plays and passes. So all things there certainly that we use to organize Our call sheets today, he had his quarterbacks think about. That certainly was a burden when you think about the quarterback having to do everything he's supposed to do in running the offense as a player, but also being one play ahead and thinking about the situation and everything there out on the field. So category three, he goes into defensive weaknesses and strengths. And he says this, the greatest contribution your quarterback can make is calling a smart game. It is more important than his physical efforts. A quarterback can have speed, ruggedness, passing ability, faking finesse, and still be an ordinary boy. Stress this. In order to be of greatest value, he must know and appreciate the strengths and weaknesses of defenses. Every defense has inherent strengths and weaknesses. He must fully appreciate these strengths and weaknesses so that that he can direct his attack intelligently. There is not a defense that does not have a weakness. Remember, he must know what he is attacking and know the plays for each defense. So then his suggestion is this. Teach your quarterback how defenses are conceived. There are six principles involved in establishing a defense. And I'm going to go through these. He certainly diagrams these and he goes into great detail here. But I'll give the main parts of each category. So number one, he says defenses are either three deep or two deep. They are never four deep or one deep, except in desperate situations. Defense may be four deep in the last play or 
half of the game to defend a lead. Defenses may be one deep at the goal line. Otherwise, they are either two deep or three deep. If there are three men, there are eight men close to the line of scrimmage. So basically, he boils it down into the formations they were using that there's three deep and an eight-man front or two deep and a nine-man front. And even when you look at our modern defenses and how you know you might have a quarters attack where their safeties are coming downhill, those are more the nine-in-the-box types of defenses. And they're still really two guys who are primarily pass responsible. That's where you can get them, obviously, on play action. But I think those still hold true. Certainly, there's a translation to what we see in modern defenses today. But I think that's a good starting point. Number two, defenses are odd or even. If there is a man over the center, the defensive is is odd. If there is no one over the center, the defense is even. Three, defensive linemen are generally spaced on every other offensive lineman. Four, there are generally ends on the end of the line. Five, linebackers are usually placed over uncovered linemen. Six, if there are an odd number of linebackers, the odd linebacker will be located in the middle. So he uses that kind of stuff to start that basic understanding of the defense and certainly when we look at our answer sheets and what we want to do we want to put together our game plans our menu of plays that are best for attacking each of those practice drawing defenses using the above principles you can diagram 80 defenses once you understand the above principles to repeat there's six two deep or three deep defenses odd or even linemen spaced every third man Put the ends on the line of scrimmage. Linebackers stationed over free or uncovered linemen. If there's an odd number of linebackers, one will be stationed in the middle. Then he goes into another category here for play calling. And this is where he gets a little bit more specific on things. So number one, every defense you have ever met or shall meet next will fall into and adhere to the above principles. Two, if your quarterback will look down the center of the field, it will give him an immediate picture of the defense. Example, if there's a man over center, it is odd. If there's man, if there's a safety man, they are three deep. Then he goes over some suggestions for strategy and sequence and lists a few of those. Then he talks about this. Your, number one, your quarterback must find the particular area in which your team outnumbers a defense and run at them. And he goes through and diagrams different examples, and he wants his quarterback to be able to see things. Certainly, when we think about what information we want from the press box, we want to be able to know these because we want to be able to run to numbers. It's something we certainly apply today, and you hear a lot of offensive coordinators think about that. Then he covers things in a section here where he draws up different types of defenses to show where the best place is to attack. Uh, the following section, he goes into the passing game. And some interesting things here, and you'll hear a lot of things we believe in now that have, have certainly translated to modern offenses. So the passing play is a very port, important part in your total offense. You should expect your quarterback to throw at least 30 to 40% of the time. Courage plays are an important part in the success of any passer. It requires a great amount of courage to deliver the ball correctly and accurately, knowing he will not have enough time to set himself before being knocked on his rear end. Since he will get knocked down once in a while, the only sensible thing is to expect it and learn the best means for coming through with the least amount of damage. Then he will be a better passer. Getting knocked is the price he must pay for the distinct honor of passing. Mind must triumph over matter. 
general principles he has here. There's 10 of them. One, the passing game does not merely complement your running game, but is a vital and potent weapon in itself. Two, your total yardage gains must be somewhat equal to your running total. So while you're only going to pass, as he said, 30 to 40%, at least in his philosophy, he still expects pretty even yardage between the two. Three, anytime he sees a glaring weakness in his opponent's defense, your QB should feel free to throw from any place on the field. Four, there are three restrictions for the use of the passing game. A, when ahead and time is running out, do not throw but control the ball by running. And B, on fourth down on your side of the opponent's 30-yard line, do not pass unless information is sent in from the bench. C, inside your five-yard line. I think a lot of teams now take a different approach inside the five. I know it's the biggest opportunity. I think we always practice. We are on the one-yard line. The first thing we do in practice in those situational days, uh, the first thing they do on the, our own one was go out there and call it on two. And we got to the point in practice, I didn't even have to tell them what was you know, scripted. They would go out there and do it. And then the second one we want to look at was a play-action pass. Huge opportunity to score there. So I think it's sound philosophy to not throw very much inside your five, but there are those opportunities where you might want to take a shot. Five, he must throw versus a strong running team. And B, if you have a great defense. Kind of different today. You, you hear coaches talk about running the ball more, right? Controlling the ball when you have a great defense. Six, the throwing aids running and vice versa. It keeps the defense honest. Certainly sound there. Number seven, throw 90% of your passes from your running deception rather than from drop back, back method. It freezes the secondary and complements the running game. It will result in many more touchdowns. You see that today quite a bit in the NFL. A lot of the most successful teams have a wide zone-based offense. And with that wide zone-based offense, the keeper or the play pass is a huge part of it, right? If you if you learn that from the Alex Gibbs uh, coaching tree, coaches who utilize his wide zone, he'd always talk about the keeper being an important part of that play. Number eight, throw when they expect you to run, screen, draw, and stutter when they expect your team to pass. Nine great passing situations, first and 10, second and one, but don't be thrown for a loss. See, after any delay in game, like after a penalty, after a timeout, after a change of goals at the quarter, after opponents fumble, throw in the area of the man who fumbled. D versus A substitute. E with the win. F versus an injured man who stays in the ballgame. I think if your press box is doing a great job and your play caller on the sideline Having them see that, oh, they have a new corner in the game right now and immediately going after them is a sound principle. And you see it all the time. You know, if you watch football on Saturdays, you watch it on Sundays, right away they're going to test that new man in the game. Certainly a sound strategy. And 10, screen drawn fake and passing downs and long yardage. So there's more there in his section really going over the tactics of of play calling, but um, best covered in reading those because he puts some diagrams in those as well. He has in chapter 7 of the book a section he calls drills for the quarterback and the coach. And what's interesting about these drills, and I think there's like 
45 to 50 of these drills, they're all drills that are mental drills used to test the quarterback's knowledge of where he wants to call or, or how he wants to call a game, where he wants to call certain plays. And as I looked at these, I thought, wow, this is actually a, a really good set of drills that coaches can do. If you are the play caller, how do you get better at play calling? You know, it's something we, we don't talk about a lot. I mean, your reps are limited on game day. Maybe you use some call it uh, series in practice. I know a lot of time we want to script things to make sure that we get through everything we need. We get the right amount of reps. But do you use a, a call it period in practice? Something Noel Mazzoni and I talk about quite a bit when we got together on our series in this podcast. So uh, we're going to go over a few of these. I think just some really good ones here. So he starts the section, though, by saying it has been our belief that only a few coaches know how to train a quarterback. These drills will prove an excellent guide for obtaining a standard performance from quarterbacks. The drills with this chapter are neither complicated nor do they require a great deal of time. They should be so handled that they will occupy only that period allotted to group work in the early part of the season. Considerable stress should be laid upon getting the quarterback ready to handle his attack for the first game. Overcoaching. Great care should be exercised to avoid overcoaching. At every stage of the game, the quarterback should be encouraged to make his own decisions. Everything possible should be done to develop his initiative and confidence. After the season is two or three weeks old, the quarterback's coach should retire to a position of friendly criticism and encouragement. Only in this manner can the quarterback be trained to develop self-reliance and initiative. And again, remember, a big part of this is he's the quarterback at this time was calling all the plays on the field. So he goes into... Uh, a drill about using his voice. I think this is a, a good drill for him. Uh, as I said, most of these, though, are mental drills. The first three are a little bit more walkthrough on the field going to the fourth, the paper and pencil drill. The object of this drill is to provide training for the quarterback in the offseason. Instructions, quarterbacks should be worked during the offseason of the year off the field, the play with a blackboard or pencil and paper. The coach should draw a miniature field of the play, locate the ball thereon, assume the down and distance, and require the quarterback to call the formation and signal. In this manner, the quarterback can be trained and ready for spring practice or fall competition. Certainly one uh, doing that work on the, on the board is important. Do we do enough of it as coaches? Do we put ourselves through those scenarios where we practice those ourselves? There's a drill he calls defensive strategy map. The purpose of this drill is to provide defensive training for the quarterback so that he can call plays intelligently. Instructions. Many coaches begin teaching strategy to their quarterback with a discussion of offensive. Actually, offensive football is meaningless unless the field general understands the basic alignment of the defense. Make a strategy map of defense that might be encountered in various zones of the field. This is a fine drill. The quarterback must understand what he is attacking. I think we can do that as a play caller as well, right? Get that visual where we're maybe putting together something like this that we could simulate. I don't know. You could do it on a PowerPoint. You certainly could do it on flashcards. You could put things up on the board, have somebody test you out. We want to have those quick decisions, especially if you're new at calling plays. I think something like this could be helpful. And certainly it's very helpful to your quarterbacks, even though they're not going to call a play, to be able to do something like this, that these are the weaknesses of the defense. This is what we're trying to attack. The passing chart drill. The purpose of this drill is to test the quarterback on his passing offense. Instructions use an eight and a half by eleven sheet or card, as illustrated. It is good to practice to have. The, it is a good practice to have the field general put down the play numbers 
in the zone where he thinks passes might be completed. And then he has a diagram that goes along with this that essentially, uh, if you were to think of it, it shows tight end to tight end, right? Doesn't really show all the positions of, of where the backs are, but then just has areas of the defense that he numbers going from left to right along the outside, uh, third of the defense at different levels, one, two, and three, the middle of the defense coming backwards, he has four and five, and then to the right, six, seven, and eight. Really, you could do these and divide it up into sections in thinking about in certain areas of the field where our pass is most likely to be completed based on what we know about their defense. I don't know if, if I've ever done that with a quarterback. I certainly think that would be um, very sound in working through as a play caller what I'm thinking here, where we expect the ball to be completed to help him better understand as we get into different areas of the field um, what can we do. So I think a good drill that can be implemented in, in different ways uh, with the play caller and the quarterback. The game chart drill. This is a post-game summary to analyze the tactics employed. Instruction, uh, play used, ball carrier, field position, yards gained or lost, first downs, penalties, fumbles, passes attempted and completed, yards gained and passing, punts, the number, distance, and average. By studying this chart, the mistakes of the scrimmage or previous game can be noted and possibly avoided in the future. If film is not available, this chart can be substituted. So that self-scout, going back and looking at it, Again, as a play caller, why were you calling those plays? What were you thinking? Did your quarterback's understanding of what you were trying to do match it? I think those are important things as you go back and analyze it. Again, he listed in here as a drill. I love this drill as an off-season study for the quarterbacks. Certainly looking at this and having something like this to practice against would be good for a play caller as well. It's called the defense drill. Object of this drill is to provide written homework for the quarterback instructions. Give the quarterback one examination each week. Outline five or six defenses against your offense, and the quarterback will, will be required to take these diagrams home, study them, and choose the plays of our own system that could possibly gain ground against these various defenses. You have a quarterback school. You're doing these things in the offseason. Give them time to look at things, study things, get their mind focused on how do you attack certain defenses I love that drill to have them bring him back and discuss those things. I think it's that's something that's really good uh, to prepare your quarterbacks. And again, you're getting into that framework of how do we attack a certain defense. So in the offseason, you have some of those things in your quarterback room. But at the same time, you're getting that work as a play caller thinking about how you do that and explaining it. Anytime you teach, you certainly solidify your thoughts on something. Rating plays. This reminds me of what Andrew Coverdale Shared on the podcast, we talked about his love it or like it list. But the object of this drill is to provide training for the quarterback in evaluating the offense. Instructions have the quarterback list all of his plays. The list should be revised from time to time, eliminating weaker plays and the plays not used. At the end of the season, put on a smaller card, a short list of successful plays, and the game in which they were used. I think going through that exercise in the offseason as a play caller is helpful as well. Rating those plays. What did you call the most? What was their success rate, etc.? And understanding better your thought process. Why? What were you thinking? Why did you call a certain play? So uh, something that's good for the quarterbacks and for the play caller as well. Skipping ahead, here's another one. Again, I think good for the quarterback. 
as well as the play caller to be able to sit down and talk about these things. It's called the probable defense drill. This drill is to provide the quarterback practice in running plays against probable defense. Mondays or Tuesdays have the quarterback diagram defensive alignments expected from opponents to determine which plays would be best. He should then work these plays into a series. The series would then be stressed during the practices preceding the game. One of those mental drills to be able to sit down with those guys. Again, as Coach Allen said, these shouldn't take a lot of time, but going through and having these exercises throughout the week. I think it's, as I said, good for the play caller as well. What can you develop in your habits or in your practice routine to get you better at calling plays? Is it putting together PowerPoints where you can maybe randomize these slides, go through and put these different situations in front of you? What do you expect? Really honing in on that game plan for the week. Yes, we have our play chart, but in the heat of the moment, do we remember all those things we talked about? So practicing some of those, I think, are important. Special play drill. The purpose of this drill is to associate the quarterback with certain plays to be used in various areas of the field. Quarterbacks must learn to associate certain plays with a certain spot on the field. This is particularly true of special plays and fancy plays and to a lesser extent of all plays. To help form these associations, the quarterback should be given charts of the field and asked to write the signal for each play upon the spot from which it should normally be expected to work best. That's something I actually did for me in in pregame. When we got to the the field uh, or if we were home, I'd go up to the press box, sit down with my call chart, and especially for our special plays, I'd be thinking about where on the field, when we hit this spot, I want to call this play. And for me, that's how I call trick plays. I would be able to visualize that pregame when we get here. And a lot of times, it matter what hash it was on, it matter what direction we're going, there'd be things that I'd want to be sure we were closer to our sideline than theirs so they couldn't maybe see you know, something abnormal in a formation or personnel substitution. All of those things went into when we would want to run those certain plays. And so I love that right there. The special dr- play drill, certainly something useful in visualization for a play caller. I like this next one as well. The walking drill. The purpose of this fine drill is for the coach and the quarterback to walk and talk strategy. Instructions. The best place to teach generalship is on the practice field. The coach should make it a practice to walk over the playing field with quarterbacks, stopping at various places and saying something like this. Is the middle of the second quarter? Nothing to nothing. Weather conditions just as they are now. We get the ball here first and 10. What would you call? If the quarterback answers the right play, then go on to something else. If he calls the wrong play, stay right on the same spot until the situation is clear in his mind. This is an excellent drill. I agree. I love that idea because I think we're in a different time. We don't give our our quarterbacks that ability to call plays like that all the time. Maybe they do some things at the line of scrimmage. But it would help you as a play caller as well to walk the field with him and your other quarterbacks and have those discussions. Why are we calling plays here? Anything like this, these associations, these drills you're going to do are going to solidify that game plan in your mind. So you know exactly what you need to do and where you need to go in certain times in the game, certain situations, etc. So I really just highlighted a couple sections of this book. Again, highly detailed. He has a section where he goes into how to use charts. Again, back at that time, those charts were shared with the quarterback on the sideline 
So the quarterback could think about his own strategy, but certainly applies to the play caller as well. And there's numerous charts in here that he utilizes during the game. He has another section which he goes over, uh, again, the strategies, how to use the running game. Uh, He talks about the field zones again. He talks about quarterback and quarterback-coach relationship and how to develop that and cover successful quarterbacking. So while you will not see a lot of physical drills or techniques in this manual, as I said, this really is a manual to help get you thinking about the game. And and while it may not be the exact philosophy or strategy that you uh, subscribe to, the thought process here and everything that he set up is very sound and incredibly detailed. And I think if you are a play caller picking this book up, regardless of where you are in your career, is going to help you improve this offseason. So again, it's called How to Train the Quarterback. You can find it on Amazon by George H. Allen. Again, Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Follow all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.